Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy. So let's talk about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. Visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Love Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with your co-host, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice, and his wife, Jeannie. Michael and Jeannie share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. They offer tools and support five days a week. They will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love. In Aramaic, Rachma. Michael is the author of So Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information on Michael and Jeannie, please visit www.whyagain.com. And now your co-host, The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. To the brightness within you and the truth that is rooted within me. Hi and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with The Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. Today is Thursday. January the 28th, 2016. And our call-in number is 646-200-4169. Press 1 and that puts you in queue to talk to us. We would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. I don't think I said I'm Jeannie, your co-host, and along with Dr. Tim Hayes. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, and I'm sure glad you're my co-host. I'm I'm glad that you're my co-everything. And uh, we're getting uh, packed up and ready to head to Orlando. Very excited about this next uh, 32 days of workshops we'll be doing in Orlando. We're going to start out with a nine-day codependence to interdependence with just a, a really awesome group of folks coming from pretty much all over the country. Not the globe, it's all United States, but... Uh, uh, lots of different places and a really sweet group of people coming together and looking forward to uh, to the work that we're going to get done. And in particular, you know, yesterday I think was a was a great show that addressed some issues around addiction. I think it uh it really laid a nice foundation for taking the the addiction uh game to the next level and seeing how we use and as a definition I gave yesterday, person, place, substance, experience, or activity to keep from feeling and dealing with what's going on inside of us and or to keep from hearing our guidance. And I think that, and I'm realizing that probably one more word needs to be added into our definition there of the things that can be used to do that, and that is emotion, that we can use emotions to keep from feeling guidance or to keep from feeling what's real for us, what's going on inside of us, to uh, to use as an anesthetic. And I'd like to talk about the healing process a little bit more uh, in, in, in a little bit of detail and then talk about you know the kind of tentacles that reach out and the kind of things we get to look at and deal with as we move through layers of energy. You know, we've shared that the healing process is not that popular because the healing process looks just like the disease process did. When you realize that we're energetic beings, if you put an energy into the system and it creates certain symptoms, then when you reverse the flow of that energy, the symptoms are identical. The the symptoms don't speak of which direction the energy is going, but once it's in there, in order to dig it back out, it's going to look like and feel like it did on the way in. So... We recognize that on a physical level, healing looks like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had and low energy. On a mental level, it looks like any kind of negative thought you've ever had and confusion. On an emotional level, it looks like any kind of negative feeling you've ever had and depression. And then when you become symptomatic, how do you tell whether or not you're in a healing process or a disease process? Which way is the energy going? Well, we've identified four things that will inform you as to whether or not your symptoms are healing or disease. And the first one is that you ask yourself the question, 
have I, in a very genuine way, been doing more and more of the right things, physically, mentally, emotionally, relationship, willingness, nutritionally, exercise, forgiveness? If I have, then that's the first thing it says, if I'm symptomatic, I'm probably in a healing process. The second thing you ask yourself is, just before these symptoms struck, had I hit a new level of vitality, a new level of clarity? And if so, then you know that that's number two, saying, ah, this is a healing process. The third thing is what's happening with my elimination. In a disease process, there's a tendency for the eliminative organs to close down, to restrict elimination, to hold on to those energies. In a healing process, there's a tendency for them to open up and expand the output of those eliminative organs. You know, they talk about trying to find a cure for the common cold. Well, guess what? They're never going to find a cure for the common cold because the common cold is not a disease. The common cold is a healing process. <clears throat> the so-called common cold is an energy structure vital enough to say, I've got some junk in here and I'm going to get rid of it. Opens the eliminative channels and starts to move things that don't belong. Now, when you think about it, let's imagine that you had a, a comparable situation happening in your backyard. You have a toilet system and a shower system. And imagine that one of the pipes breaks and all of a sudden you end up with all this smelly stuff all over the backyard. And would you accept the services of a plumber that says, I have the perfect solution. I have a four-inch cork. I'll come plug that pipe, and you won't have any more problems in your backyard. And, you know, that smelly stuff's probably going away if he, going to go away if he puts a plug in the four-inch pipe. But you know that sooner or later, what that pipe was handling is going to back up in the house, and you're going to get to deal with it very immediately. Well, in precisely the same way, if you've got a cold and you don't understand that what you want to do is support your eliminative processes. You want to drink some lemon juice with cayenne pepper and a little bit of maple syrup. You want to drink lots of water. You want to let yourself sweat. No, don't go and take something to, to shut down your fever. Yes, if your fever gets high enough or if you've got a child and the fever's high enough that, gee, you know, this could be dangerous to the brain. Of course, thing. you know, a cool bath. But to stuff a, a, a plug in the pipes that... The, the body's trying to eliminate, the energy field's trying to eliminate what doesn't belong is a big mistake. You want to enhance and support the elimination. So the third thing, when you're symptomatic, am I in a healing process, is my eliminative organs are releasing. And then the fourth item is that when we're in the state of denial and dissociation and lock energy into tissue, lock it down, a good example that everyone's familiar with is, uh, you know, many people just accept the belief that, well, you know, as you get older, you get arthritic deposits. Well, what's an arthritic deposit? Actually, it's a series of crystals, energetic patterns that because we've dissociated from feelings and thoughts that we don't want to deal with, and then we've been attracted to eat in a way that supports that locking down, we actually create literal crystals. And in those crystals are stored the thoughts, the feelings, and the drugs that were used. The substances that were used can be junk food, alcohol, legal or illegal drugs, in order not to feel locks that energy in. When you become vital enough and you can reliquify those deposits, then what happens? The body serves up what's been stuffed in there. The energy field starts to move through that, and up come the thoughts, the feelings. And, and here's a really, I think, a big piece, especially in the context of our conversation yesterday, is that any drug that was used to suppress, to shut down, to dissociate from what we didn't want to deal with, when you go into a healing process, there's going to be a tendency to crave that because now the energy system is releasing that, and in the process of release, it's just right there in your face. And so understanding that, one who perhaps has had a problem with addiction can say, oh, here I am back in, you know, what happened to me when I was 14, when I first started to drink, 
And, you know, here there's feelings of rejection from that girl that, you know, didn't uh, follow through with what she said she was going to do and care for me forever, you know, what have you. Then, and, 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 you know, that weekend after we broke off, I went out and I started with a scotch and, and, you know, for 30 years drank it, drank myself silly. And now I've been sober for 20 years. So here I am now. I'm feeling those feelings of rejection and abandonment. I'm having thoughts of the same ones I had back then. I'm not good enough. Maybe they were, gee, I should just kill myself. Those kinds of thoughts, if that's what happened at that first rejection. And along with that, the molecules of alcohol that were locked in with that energetic pattern start to release. And as they do, the person who, you know, hasn't touched a drink in 10 years, all of a sudden can't think about anything but alcohol. And it's a really risky place for falling off the wagon of sobriety. But understanding that, oh, so I can expect that what I used back then when I was 14 is, is going to start to move, then great. I can breathe through that and let that energy go, process it out. So when in a healing process, one of the signals, the fourth and final one we want to talk about that will tell you that you're in a healing process is there will tend to be a craving for whatever was used at the time of the original event to lock it down and to shut it down. So there's the healing process. And I'm I'm explaining this now because I want to share with you uh, what my week has been like this week. You'll remember that on Monday on the show, I said, you know, I'm, I'm in a healing crisis. I mean, you know, some energy is moving and uh, I'm moving through it. So I was in a little bit of low energy at that moment. And to share what had happened, actually, and I wasn't in a space or ready to share it at the time we were doing the show on Monday, and the last couple of days I've been in process, and I'd like to just share that to just look at how detailed and how many places a healing process can reach back into. I've shared with you in the past that uh, an issue that I once had was being behind the wheel of a car, and someone would do something you know, stu- that I considered stupid, and I could be in a fist-shaking rage in just an instant. And it was an issue that I'd worked on for four or five years. And my son was, I was actually carrying him on my hip when I had this this uh, experience. And so uh, he was probably three years of age or four maybe. And so it's going back 30 plus years ago. And what I got in touch with was an inherited anger from my great-great-grandfather was able to visualize him, talk to him, and tell him I was ready to be finished with this. And I, my best understanding was that I'd inherited it from him, and I was ready to let it go. And if, if you want me to let it go, I'll let it go. If you want it back, it's yours. Now, is that actually true? I don't know. Maybe that was just my mind's creative way of giving me a way to work through this, but here's what I can share with you, is that there hasn't been a fish-shaking incident behind the wheel of a car since then, over 30 years. And it was an issue that was pretty regular for me uh, back then, and I'd purposely, consciously worked on for about five years. So on uh, Monday, just before the show, I was in downtown Bradenton, and my GPS wasn't working, so I was lost. And there was a guy who just kind of roared up behind me and just laid on his horn as hard as he could, and that triggered a major outburst of energy and I realized you know once I got out of that situation and did a worksheet on it what showed up for me was that he wasn't treating me like a human being he wasn't treating me like he was human or I was human and perhaps you've been on the show when I've shared, and this is just another piece of the puzzle. About five years ago, six years ago, maybe I was out in Arizona, and uh, I was uh, with a group of people who were kind of with a sort of fundamentalist church, but they'd asked me to come and speak. And they were showing a video of uh, a young woman who was part of their organization. And when she was, I forget what age, maybe three or four the kids had a bonfire going and her brother was on the other side of the fire and threw gasoline in it. The gasoline splashed through the fire kind of exploded into her face and she was pretty badly disfigured. 
and she was sharing her dealing with that experience and the experiences since when and the, the the number one thing that comes to mind is how she shared the that she had gone to a mall to do some shopping and she's got a pretty badly disfigured face and some teenagers just you know round around, got around her and spat on her and teased her and chided her and degraded her and that back then just aroused a major pain energy for me and I was in the middle of a healing process at that time actually I was my challenge has always been lungs uh, when I was born uh, they called my father uh, during my birth and said you better get down here this kid isn't going to make it and I was almost dead from lung problems three or four times the first year of my life I uh, every every um, spring or when we go fall when we'd be going back to school I'd be in an oxygen tent in the hospital first couple of weeks and I lived on an inhalator and pills until I realized that was not that was keeping me alive but it wasn't healing me and I needed to find healing and so that is what began my search and so as I went through that process I'm in a really deep lung release process out in Arizona and to the point where the people that I'm staying with actually are afraid that I'm going to die I was that deep in it and I was the only one who had a car I'd rented a car and the others had been traveled with with uh, friends and so we were sharing a house and I was the only one who had a car and I wasn't out of bed for five days as I'm going through this lung detox and they need to get some groceries so I drove them to the grocery store and I was the only one insured to drive the car and I sat in the car while they went in and shopped and I'm sitting there just breathing and dealing with this and all of a sudden I have this whale I mean I can't describe it with any other words but a whale that came from deep inside and you know this work I've been doing you know at that time it's you know 40 plus years and you know I'm nothing but committed it just moves forward and you know I'm going to take this to every mind heart and being on the planet and I'm here committed to be here as long as it takes for it to become a, a global understanding that we are love and that forgiveness is how you remove what's unlike love that's just the way it is and as I'm sitting breathing sitting in front of this grocery store in the car I just have this deep wailing come up that I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go where people treat each other like human beings. You know, I just watched this video of this woman who's so disfigured and the, the taunting and the, the terrorism that was unleashed on her, and it just triggered that deep wailing, which, you know, I did some worksheets and worked through that. But what I discovered on on Monday after this event with this guy just roaring up behind me and blasting on his horn. You know, I'm on our state plate. I'm obviously lost. And realized that the goal involved was the same one that surfaced five years ago in Arizona, was I wanted to be in a place where people treat each other like humans. Uh, and that just triggered all this rage and pain uh, and, it, and it's interesting as I look back because I didn't exactly treat him like he or I were human beings in my language, in my uh, my tone of voice and the volume of my voice. But I lost it and just had this huge layer come up and went and sat for a few minutes. It was just a few minutes before showtime. So just sat and breathed and, you know, shared with you what was going on and went through the show. Well, a couple of nights ago, I uh, went into a major lower one-third of my lungs cleanse. And as I say, my lungs have in the past always been my nemesis. And this may be, who knows, the final layer to go through to be finished with uh, with that lung challenge that has uh, oh, probably almost killed me at least eight or ten times in my life. And... There was. I became aware of a tightness in the lower part of my lungs that I'm conscious of before. So I realized that some of the emotional unconsciousness from that 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 experience that that gentleman who roared up behind me and blasted his horn gave me the gift of resonating was that pain and that rage. 
And so as I was able to breathe through that, and actually Jeannie spent about a half an hour hands-on breathing me and uh, holding the energy in that part of my lungs, all of a sudden there was a clear space, and it's it's very distinct, the lower one-third of my lungs. And it's like I got a new set of lower lungs. It's pretty awesome, pretty sweet. Uh, a lot of breathing, a lot of energy to move, and a lot of uh, of grief at the suffering that happens in the world because we don't treat each other like humans, which I readily admit I didn't do. You know, it's kind of like I, I I have to go back to that uh, that piece in Romans that gives us such a powerful piece of information that says, "Beware you who judge another, for that in which you judge another, you've been practicing the same thing." So here's this guy being you know, rather inhuman, and I turn around and I do the same thing. It's like, duh. <laughs> anyway, so it was kind of it was it was kind of funny. Jeannie and I laughed about it, and then yesterday after the show, I think it was a pretty high energy show. And 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 by the way, last week in in Miami we had a really high week. There was a lot of energy. Saturday's breath work was awesome, and I realized that the the energetic support of the group there was what boosted me to the next level where I was able to go through this layer. And then along comes this gentleman laying on his horn who who gives me the gift. It's you know we we attract, we resonate in exactly what we need. And so yesterday, uh, you know, just rolling along, and we're packing, getting ready to go. We finished the show, and all of a sudden, in my the upper two thirds of my lungs, I get this pounding happening. So I come in and lay down and breathe, and a few minutes later, Jeannie comes in. And says, What's happening? I said, Well, just put your hands on my chest and see what you feel. What did it feel like, Jeannie? It was like thumping out of your chest. Front, going front and back, and then your head would jerk too. Yeah, are you calling me a jerk, honey? No, just kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, literally, um, there was this pounding energy. You know, if if you imagine yourself hitting a punching bag. The front of my lungs, and it was just that lower third was clear. It was the upper third of my lungs was just this pounding energy. And so Jeannie just held the space and breathed me and and held her hands there. And then all of a sudden, that pounding energy moves up into my sinuses. And literally, it felt like somebody had a small sledgehammer hitting on the roof of my mouth and under my sinuses. I mean, it was literally that pounding, moving energy. And so that probably lasted for maybe three or four minutes. It was like, whoa. And then it went back to my lungs again and my chest. And I feel like I have a new set of lungs. Uh, I realized the in the past when I exerted myself, I would have this cough that came from the lower part of my lungs. That's just been part of my lung problem challenge. And uh, I realized that that's gone since the first phase of it and uh, that my lungs are just clear on a, a whole other level, clear to the point where I didn't realize they weren't clear because it was so normal but a new ability to take a deep breath and, and go to another level and uh, and to stand in that space. So the healing process is pretty phenomenal, pretty, uh, pretty amazing when we can let ourselves go through it. Now, I know that many people, if they'd have had the pounding of the chest that I was experiencing yesterday, probably would have called 911 and gone off to have their hearts checked. I was able to distinguish, and I've done a lot of work, and so I was able to distinguish this was my lungs. It had nothing to do with my heart. It was perfectly fine. And I was conscious of I've been in a process of healing my lungs. And uh, so it was just, you know, could I have rushed off or would someone perhaps have rushed off and gotten pumped full of something to shut that down so that it would go away and I would feel better? But, of course, that would then lock the energy into the tissue or... Am I in a space of support where I can breathe, feel, deal with the energy, especially that energy of rage, 
which is what it was about, the energy and, and, the, and the core of what opened the space was realizing. And it's interesting, this is the first time I've lost it behind the wheel of a car in 30 years since that event originally. But back then it was about people doing stupid things. And, and this, to me, this brings up another important step in the forgiveness process. In the event 30 years ago, if I'd have been canceling my goal for people to treat each other like humans, that wasn't what was up. It wouldn't have gotten me anywhere. It was about uh, wanting people to be smart drivers and courteous drivers. And then in this event, Monday had nothing to do with people doing stupid things behind the wheel of a car. It was a totally different goal that opened the space for me to touch into all of that and process through that. And the goal was about being treated like a human being and treating others like human beings. And of course, as I say, uh, once that was triggered in me, I turned around and didn't speak like much of a human being. So it's just, just interesting to understand and to see for me on another level, just one more time, how these layers peel off. And when we can stay conscious, we don't have to be run by those old energies. But oftentimes when they come up with a lot of emotions, they take over. And I certainly, as I said, lost it. It took over, and I got to do a pretty powerful piece of work that mostly ended up being physical, like or what the world calls physical, the energetic changes and shifts and cleansing and moving through were, you know, so physical that Jeannie could feel, you know, my whole chest, literally, like somebody was in there with a sledgehammer. Not my heart. Not, well, it wasn't anything to do with that. It was totally from my lungs. So, so as you build the brain cells for healing, the willingness to be in the space and to hold the space for yourself and to have someone who can hold that space is awesome. And, uh, and of course, to be able to distinguish that from a disease process. How do you distinguish? Well, remember four things. Am I doing the right things? Have I hit a new level of vitality? What's happening with my elimination? And am I craving an old drug? And of course, what was the old drug that I was craving that I actually used on Monday? It was hostility, rage. So, what fun. And then, of course, I'm sitting there on the radio show and I wasn't through it yet, so I wasn't ready to process it. And, uh, of course, having to deal with uh, some issues of being hypocritical and telling people to function as love is, you know, just minutes before I was like a mad banshee. So, anyway, it's it's all just uh, an interesting process and, uh, and a process of building the brain cells. That's what we're here to do. So, hope that serves and supports. And uh, let's say hello to Dr. Tim and see if he's got any thoughts for me. Actually, I'm not seeing Dr. Tim on the switchboard right now, so I don't know if he ah, had to okay. go somewhere or – so I'm not seeing okay. him. Cool. And we don't have any hands up. We've got a lot of people on the switchboard, so if someone presses 1, they're first in line without waiting, and chat room's really quiet. Cool. Oh, well, just went Let's, let's, let's hold the hand for just a second. Okay. Let's hold the hands for just a second, Jeannie, and uh, just, just to share the next piece or another piece of it. Um, as I, you know, completed and, uh, and spoke, you know, inviting Dr. Tim's input and took a breath, what I noticed is that underneath all of that uh, starts to move another layer and uh, I can hear it in my voice. I don't know if you can, but uh, there's some grief there. And uh, right now, some grief moving. So I just invite everybody, if you would, to hold the space, and we'll move through it. Thank you. So let's go for it. We've got a caller. This one is area code 336. You're on the air. Who do we have and where are you calling from? Hi, this is Tracy in Greensboro. Hey there, young lady. Welcome. Hi, thanks. How are you doing? Well, as you know, I'm going through a <clears throat> big healing crisis myself. 
And um, yes. what I noticed yesterday underneath all of the the sheets is the um you know, not speaking up for myself and not being able to ask for what I need and having expectations that other people should be a certain way or approve of me or like me or that I need to be invisible somehow in order to not make them mad and not ask for what I need. And I just saw that whole thing that was talked about yesterday about being codependent as running my life. I hear you loud and clear. That's why I'm where I am. And I take responsibility for, you know, I've attracted this to myself or it's in my carbon blueprint from years of all the people before me who have the same story. I mean, like I got the burden of somehow thinking it's my fault and that my mother has the same story or she thinks whatever is wrong is her fault. Mm. And I just was, you know, was raised like that. Children are to be seen and not heard, so don't ask for anything and don't get in my hair and all of that. So it just seemed like the the brain dump was a lot of that and a lot of wanting to blame other people who didn't do what I think they should have done, but I didn't ask for what I needed and I could see that my responsibility was to speak up. Well, I'm glad you're here speaking up and asking for support. Yeah. And I could just see it was like being a fish in water who doesn't know they're in water. Like, I can't... I'm looking back on it now and it looks clear, but when I was in it, it was just like I'm in the water and I couldn't see it. And now I'm flopping around on land looking back at the mess I made. And it's really painful. I hear you. I hear you and I breathe with you. And, you know, we we tend to develop our belief systems based in blockage of truth. And, you know, it's a, it's an important principle to, uh, to have enough love of truth, as I'm hearing you um, tapping into, enough love of truth to really allow ourselves to see what's actually going on. And it sounds like you're seeing it on a whole other level in a whole new way, and that's powerful. And, you know, what most people do is they continue the conversation forever that it's somebody else's fault. And, of course, when I offer to my mind that it's supposed to show me that it's somebody else's fault, then my mind will cooperate and show me that it's all somebody else's fault and I'm powerless to do anything about it. And yeah. so when I stand in that state of denial, and the denial is when I think or speak as if somebody else is a cause of what's happening in me, then I cause my mind to dissociate from what I need to deal with. And so it's invisible. Yeah. I mean, it's literally when I call the lie that somebody else is responsible, truth, and I fill my mind, you know, it's only a nine-bit space, and I fill my mind with nine bits of data that it's about somebody else, then there isn't room for truth to get into awareness. And there's the the power and the beauty of and the and the genius of Yeshua teaching us to cancel a goal to collapse what's occupying the nine bit space so I can see what's there. I can start to see truth and choose to love truth. So awesome piece of work. And once again, remembering that all of this is energy and that I can embrace in love that energy. I can ask for support to embrace it in love. And as it's exposed to love, there is a literal transmutation. The energy pattern shifts. And when the energy pattern shifts, the so-called physical shifts as well. Yeah. Can I ask you about canceling goals? Please, please, yes. Like sometimes 
it would seem like the goal that I had was hard to get to. Like some things was obvious, you know, I want to restore my health. I want to restore my vision. I'm looking at choices that I made that appear to be the incorrect choice where hostility and fear came up and I've got a judgment or anger. And they're almost always me and what I didn't say or how I didn't speak up, but I often look at the goal as it was something I needed or wanted. Right. And I can't I sometimes don't know if that's really true. Like is there some Is there some other question I can ask myself that helped me flesh out what my goal was? Well, what tends to happen is, like, so for instance, in a situation like that, and I don't know exactly the scenario, but I'm going to make one up, and and you can see that, you know, when they asked when they asked Yeshua, you know, I think it was Peter that said to Yeshua, you know, is, is seven of these worksheets enough? And in Aramaic, Yeshua's answer is no, seventy-seven times seventy, not being anything literal, but that to, to dig through and clean that whole thing up, when you realize that literally the world of perception, the world that we see, is a construct of the mind. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a CI website that um, very succinctly states that, where they're researching perception, and they they literally say, we do not record reality, the mind constructs reality. So so when I construct a reality, it's always based on a goal that I hold. And so let's say a place where I should have spoken up. I might do a dozen or more worksheets on different shades of goals in that situation. For instance, uh, maybe I needed some physical support, so I had a goal for somebody to be there for me to support me. Uh, maybe I had a goal for emotional support. I, what I really wanted was somebody to just hold me, to give me a hug. Uh, what I wanted somebody to do was to go and get this thing that I couldn't do myself. Uh, and so while speaking up is the core issue, that, that, that'll be the starting point, it's, it's what we call a, a hydra worksheet. So when I cancel my need to have spoken up, and, and if you remember, the Hydra was the creature in Greek mythology that when you cut her head off, several other heads appeared. So canceling mm-hmm. my need to speak up might lead me to, well, gee, I just wanted somebody to hold me and, and care for me. I cancel my need for somebody to hold me and care for me. Well, what I what I needed was, you know, I needed this, you know, thing for school. Maybe I was five years of age and I needed something for school. I cancel my need for somebody to see my needs and take care of them. So it may lead in many directions and and that's where the subtle listening inside becomes important. And, you know, when you realize that, you know, there's some Harvard research that says that in a time frame where 10,000 brain cells fire, there are nine bits of data go into perception. And it's been estimated in that same time frame, there are approximately 20 trillion bits potentially available. And when you realize that, then what all do I need to process through in order to clean up everything going on in the different parts of my physiology? So one energy might impact my vision, another energy might impact my thyroid, another energy might impact my breathing, you know, and, and each one, when when I have this final construct in my mind that they didn't take care of me, they weren't there for me, and I couldn't ask for help, then what are all the components of that? And each worksheet that I do will go into a different part of my carbon-based memories content and heal it bring a cleanup to it. And when I hit a critical mass and cleaning that up, one, my perception will shift. And at the same time, my physiology will shift because my physiology is just a, a reflection of the state of organized energy of my mind. So you may so, end up doing many hydro worksheets around that. Right. So if I'm hearing you correctly, when you cancel the, the goal, 
see if I can put this into my understanding is that, that I am by keeping the stuff in place then the I'm manifesting whatever the yuck is and so Distortion. by having the forgiveness yeah by getting to the the forgiveness and canceling the goal then I no longer have that thing attracting that to me so that it keeps showing up. So here's where I'm conflicted. When I don't ask for what I need and I cancel the goal, it's... um, So what I noticed is that there's like a lot of isolation, a lot of me thinking I'll figure it out and me thinking I can do this on my own. Not like cognitively, but, but just like it's like the way I've always been. I don't know how to not right. be that. So then I don't open my mouth, and I I look at the Yeshua thing of community and interdependence and how we are supposed to need each other, and I can't quite get where the right balance is for that. Well, it sounds like uh, one of the things that's going to process through is going to be some grief about the loss of that community as you speak a worksheet around grief of loss of connectedness and community uh, and the willingness to ask for help might be part of your process. And here's what I know is that in our codependence workshop, one of the things we point out is what I call the pseudo solutions of the non-being mind. And the number one pseudo solution is if I could just figure this out and you can't figure it out. You can't figure out how to restore that. What you can do, however, is each time that some sort of turmoil or trauma comes up, you look at the goal that's driving that internal turmoil or trauma that produces the world that you see, you cancel that goal, and if you cancel it, you collapse into the root of that turmoil, expose it to love, and release the turmoil. As you release the turmoil, the physiology in which the turmoil is stored shifts and changes. Literally, the cells themselves change. The same way that if we put a disease energy in, the cell moves in direction of disease. When we remove the disease energy, then the cell moves in the direction of healing. And yeah. once I clear out the layers, then there is a power in me that's going to give me specific instructions. If you look at the definition in the Aramaic of what the Greeks called the Holy Spirit, but in Aramaic was Ruka de Kutcha, it is literally a feminine elemental force in us that by definition from the first century Aramaic words, one, undoes the effects of our errors. When I'm in enough willingness and I get to the right goal and cancel it, and turn it over to that power, wherever that energy is in my physiology or anywhere in my world or relationships, the impact of it will be shifted instantly. Wow. And and then the second part of, yeah, I hear you. I got you. You know, I'm I'm real clear that I was just sharing uh, the process I went through this week to get to another level of that in, in, you know, in my nemesis, which is, since birth in my lungs you know the last right. seven days i was in utero my mother had had uh, toxemia and they gave her pitocin for seven days which is insane and yeah. i still clear out layers of that and so <laughs> as you do that then the second part of the definition of that literal elemental force in us is that she teaches us the truth she'll give us instructions you know if you mm-hmm. listen over the last the last um, five years of this show, if you listen to every one of 1,300 hours, you're going to hear some genius stuff. Did I figure that out? No. I listened, and she taught it to me. I, I'm really clear. My mind hasn't figured any of this stuff out. It's been my willingness to be in the space of listening and being taught. And she will teach you and tell you specifically if you're listening. Now, if your mind's too busy and thinks it can figure it out, then there isn't room for her guidance to get in. But she is there and will give you everything that you need when you're in a space of willingness to listen. My phone cut out when you said who she is. In in Aramaic, 
the words were Ruka the Kutch, and if you look at the worksheet down at the bottom, we've got a definition for that. And they're the words that were uh, translated by the Greeks as the Holy Spirit. There's nothing about a disembodied spirit being. It speaks of a feminine elemental force in us that undoes the effects of our errors and teaches us the truth. Awesome. And when we're willing to listen, there she is. Okay, and I'm I mean, up for the I, 70 I, I, times 7. Yeah, we were talking on the show a couple of weeks ago, and someone was telling me how specific the direction that they got was. And I remember back several years ago, well, probably 25 years ago in, in South Florida, they'd asked me at the Unity Center in Fort Lauderdale to do a Sunday service. And uh, it was several months in advance, so they asked me for a title, and I just listened. And it was like, okay, uh, the title would be um, Prelude to Prosperity. I had no idea where that came from or what it meant. And Mm -hmm. right up to the night before I'm going to do that presentation, several months later, it's like, what am I going to say tomorrow? I don't know. (laughs) And in a dream that night, I'm shown a dictionary, I'm told a page number, and to look up a word on that page in the dictionary. In the morning, I get up, and I grab the dictionary, and I open it to that page, and that word is there, and there's my whole talk already written for me in that definition. Wow. I mean, right down to the page number in the dictionary. And and, wow. and that maybe sounds kind of fantastical to people, but let's talk about physics. The physicists say that literally every molecule in the universe is in continuous communication with every other molecule in the universe. They're talking about Ruka de Kutsha and that the far-reaching impact and power of that elemental force was understood in the Aramaic 2,000 years ago, and how to access her is the worksheet process. Thank you, Michael. Absolutely delighted. And, you know, you, you may, as you clear out a key piece, you may walk out the door tomorrow morning And right next door to you or on the route that you've driven every day for 20 years, your eye will all of a sudden catch a sign. And maybe it'll be the the herbal store that you've never noticed was there before. And you walk in and your eye will just turn to a thing on the shelf and there's the support you need for the next level of your work. And that's how she works. Mm Mm-hmm. I I believe that. I've seen that all over my life in other areas. For sure. Well, many, we hold many space blessings. For, for this area to open up. Awesome. Yay. Thank you. Yay. All right. Blessings. Thanks for the call. We appreciate you. Blessings. Mm-hmm. We hold the space. Thank you. All righty. Jeannie, you had another caller? We do. And I believe that it's probably Brenda, 901. You're on the air. And I was, hey there, young lady. Um, How are you? Well, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I have been um, using the Wellness Stillness DVD uh, every night right. when I go to sleep. And then, um, as I've told you before, when I wake up in the middle of the night, I just uh, hit it again and go right back to sleep. What I've been finding out, and my sleeping patterns have been going from five hours to, you know, a solid seven hours now. And oh, right. Everybody more. needs at least that. <laughs> However, I'm finding that when I wake up, and the second time, when I go to sleep, it's normally about three o'clock in the morning. If I've woken up, if I've gone to sleep at nine, and then I wake up at three. And so I do it right. again, and I do the portion that says if you want to wake up energized, then I count from one to five slowly as you're waking up. Well, I'm finding that the last few days um, that when I wake up, I feel once of a thought like a M-A-C-K truck has run over my body. And you know, it's just like I can. I don't know if I'm in such deep sleep. Stay close. Stay close to the microphone on your phone. Okay, that I'm in such deep sleep, um, or that I'm really processing a lot of stuff, and I know that I am processing things out. 
Well, when I do the one to five, <laughs> it doesn't change <laughs> anything. So it's like I have some insight. And um, if I get up, you know, go ahead and get up and get moving, then it uh, passes by. But it's just kind of unusual for me to wake up with such a feeling of absolute fatigue in both mind and body. Well, it sounds like you're in a healing process. You sound like remember, remember the the healing process on a physical level looks like any kind of physical symptom you've ever had and low energy. And the reason for that is because when we face a major issue, energetically, I mean, who knows how much energy it takes and how much energy is involved in dissolving a pattern in physiology, mind and emotions unscrambling it, removing the energy, the toxic energy, and then rebuilding it. But it can be huge. And so it sounds like you're doing that. And, you know, probably one of the biggest pieces missing in our culture from healing is that we are such a go, 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 goal-oriented society that I've got to go get something done. I'm supposed to be doing something. What am I doing? Laying here in bed, breathing, taking care of myself. I'm supposed to work, work, work. And cancel those goals. And when you're in a healing process, recognize it and give yourself the space to process through it because it's necessary. You, You can't do the restructuring on the inside while you're trying to run your energy out on the outside. It's just difficult to do. My energy level during the daytime is high. Um, mm-hmm. It's about waking time where, and it almost feels like a death. And and I realize that that almost feels like a death. The E A T H. Ah, okay. Where you know, and you say, if I can just stay here. At this point, so I am definitely processing uh, during the night. I just, you know, I'm not consciously aware of what is processing, but I'm sure that things are processing. I'm feeling the physical effects. The itching has come back um, on the muscles, and that comes and goes depending upon how many worksheets I've done. (laughs) So Uh I've got sort of used to that, but I know that I'm still clearing clearing things out. You do know that after that last um the day when I was talking about the power person issue and that I um felt that I had um asked for what I wanted. After you had given me the uh, mind shifter to do, which seemed very good, I went into a um, mental depression, I think probably grief uh, over it. And I kept processing, processing and um, doing my Course of Miracles lesson, which is I am determined to cease. And it was very interesting because at the end of the evening, I was going to pick up a friend at, a, at the hospital and I got a phone call. And I had put out my Mind Shifters class flyers, oh, probably three or four months ago, and had gotten no response whatsoever. And at the end of that day, because I kept saying, I'm, I want to see, you know, I'm determined to see whatever happens, I am determined to see, and I want the vision, and I got my first phone call for someone who wants to do the Mind Shifter class. So... I sat there and cried and cried and cried mm. and realized that, you know, the process works. <laughs> we just have to, you know, just keep plowing, you know, keep working through it. And when I Take met time. with her, is when I met with her, because um, you don't always know if somebody's really interested or not, but um, we got together. She was very anxious to work with the mind goal management, see how that is done, and we will be, she will be joining us 
or Jen and I will be joining. I don't know if anybody else will, but I'm sure others will on Saturday evening. So hopefully that will be awesome. our first mind shifters. So if everyone can, wants to keep a space for anyone that comes, and it appears that she's interested in working with me in uh, promoting these and getting um, places, other places to do that. So that has awesome. my decision to uh, forfeit the job that I had for asking for what I wanted. So anyway, I thank you for the mind shifter and all the support on that. And I will keep working with the DVD and I'll let you know uh, how it happened. Cool. Well, let's just invite anybody who's in the Memphis area that uh, wants to join a mind shifters group that uh, Brenda will be doing that on uh, Saturday evenings at the, it's right down near just across from Mud Island at the end of Beale street and uh, the Waterford uh, place. And so uh, we'll make sure that gets posted. Uh, if you've sent us the information, we'll make sure it's posted so anybody can get it on our website. And it sounds like, you know, perhaps that morning uh, wake up and the energy's still a little on the groggy side. It sounds like you might still be in process. So what I'd suggest trying is just when you do wake up, rather than jumping up, maybe take five or ten minutes and just do some still point breathing and just be with what's moving for you and see if what's happening is your structure wants to finish processing out whatever it's been working on and okay. isn't quite getting that job done. All right. I can do that. And Corner Bill and... Uh, Front Street is where the Waterford is, and that will be 5 to 7 p.m. 5 to 7 o'clock Saturday. Awesome. And if you just go to the front door, there's a a, a guard window there, and they'll point you to the direction of the room where the uh, Mind Shifters group is happening. That's just awesome. Um, We hold the space. I am very excited about it. All right. So am I. You have a wonderful day. And I'm. All right. Blessings. You in my mind with your processing. Thank you. Thank you. I'm feeling like I'm pretty much over the other side of it. Uh, I'm going to do a worksheet or two around grief. Uh, that last comment that I made to Dr. Tim just resonated some there, so I'll I'll be doing some work on that, and thanks for holding the space. All right. Will do. Bye-bye. Okay. Blessings. Bye-bye. So our call-in number is 646 646- Two hundred four one six nine. If uh, if I'd been at your local library or university or church or teaching center presenting what we've spoken about so far, I know that when I walk down off the platform, every one of you that's listening would have a question for me. If you were in that audience, you'd be saying, "Well, what? How about? Well, what about?" And so that's what we're here to do: is to answer those questions, to do the best we can to support you in understanding this awesome process of healing. And I guess we're we're kind of out of time. We're down to the last minute. I didn't realize it was quite that late. You know, it's like, gee, a 12th of 2016 is over already, or we'll be in just a day or two. And uh, we'll actually be heading to Orlando. Uh, Codependence to interdependence is uh, is filled up, but uh, we still do have a couple of spaces available in Laws of Living. So if you're ready to do an intensive and take your process to the next level, Laws of Living is a, uh, a very experiential intensive. We'll be doing still point breathing. Uh, we'll be doing some hands-on energy field work for people who are breathing. And the the whole process is about moving the blocks out of your structure for coming into full relationship with the energetic forces of the universe. It's not about a written set of rules. You've got to follow these rules. It's literally about how do you attune to and energetically interact in a way that is harmonious for your structure with the eternal forces in the universe. And so there are what the world calls laws that re- in regard to your physiology, your breath, your gen- genitals, your dietary regimen, the way you treat your field, your finances, your family, your sexual relationships. There are 
energetic principles that if we conflict with them, we get beat up. You know, we, we come into avoidable collision and it hurts. When I understand how those energetic forces work, those laws of living are understood and I harmonize, then all of a sudden I'm uplifted and supported by the same thing. So blessings, create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give. Bye-bye. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.